Welcome to Welcome to Primetime, a show covering the Freddy Krueger-hosted anthology series Freddy's Nightmares, one episode at a time. I'm Brennan Klein. Every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. You get one new episode for every donation. Please help us keep going by giving to The Okra Project, an organization that is working to feed black trans people in need. You can find out how to donate in the show notes. Uh, Deja Vu time, this episode's patron is Mook. Um, he actually has donated three episodes because his internet fucked up and his donation went through three different times. Um, so that's what he gets. Um, once again, from Horror Queers and Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, we have Joe Lipset. Welcome back. Hello. I'm more excited to talk about this episode. I'm very happy to hear it because... You were not? <laughs> no, no. I'm always excited to talk about these episodes and break them down but the actual act of watching them is taking a toll <laughs> that is very fair and you are cranking these out like two a week is kind of a bit of an ask like it was a, a lot for me to come on and do two so i can only imagine what it's like for you to do two of these every week yeah my brain is bubbling <laughs> <laughs> um and also i've been alternating mainly I'm I'm just finishing out some marathons that I'm doing right now. So all, my entire watching, and also there's no new movies. Um, uh, my, I I would politely disagree with that, but you do you. Well, I mean, what do you mean, like Bill and Ted or whatever? Or no, man, there's some good stuff coming out on VOD. Yeah, you're right, but also it, it's just it's not to the it's rate the that like I would normally be consuming things. There. So okay. yeah. my at-home viewing is largely shifting between Freddy's Nightmares, slasher movies from 1983, and Jane Austen's films. Oh, okay. There's some so, hard toggling going on there. I'm really just in a, a miasma. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, so we're here to talk about Season 1, Episode 16, Cabin Fever. Original air date, February 19th, 1989. Oh, uh... In an interesting bit of serendipity, here's what you could have watched instead that weekend. You mm. could have seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, hey. We did not plan that. No, we didn't. And also, <laughs> sorry, what? We didn't plan that. No. Um, you also could have watched The Burbs that weekend. So a really stellar weekend for things that aren't Freddy's Nightmares. It's kind of like a stoner weekend, hey? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. If only. <laughs> hey, everybody, let's get high and go to the movies. <laughs> Remember when we did that? No. What? Yeah. <laughs> is, is, is weed legal where you are? <laughs> uh, yes, actually, it is. Okay, great. So we both can say that we ha we have done that without having it be a problem. Although I exactly. haven't, because I, why would I leave my house? Fair. And I will confess that doing any kind of weed oh my god doing weed what am i a 40 year old man <laughs> nearly it puts me to sleep so it would not be a good idea for me to do any kind of like edibles or smoking and then try to watch a movie yeah no it's just it's not conducive it's um to to, to borrow the phrase from the we hate movies podcast it, you just you green out it's just the movie yes. disappears yeah <laughs> it's just a haze which is maybe good if you're watching the burbs maybe <laughs> um yeah the writer of this episode is rhett topham um who, <laughs> who is that who a name is very fancy <laughs> <laughs> um but he actually he co-wrote the uh original episode of the the pilot episode of this show no more no more mr nice guy hmm. and the director is robert england who didn't direct too much he directed 976 evil in 2000 2008's killer pad and that's about it he didn't do anything else no one's ever heard of him yeah 
I mean, he seems like a guy with a bit of talent. <laughs> yeah, what would give you that impression? Uh, not the direction, to be honest. Yeah. No, this is directed fine. Yeah, okay, well, uh, jokes aside, yes, th this one was directed by Freddy Krueger himself, and maybe I'm detecting a bit of self-loathing, self because Freddy's parts in this episode are not worth watching. <laughs> They're pretty bad. I couldn't help but feel like he said, you know what, I just don't have time to be focusing on the acting side because I'm too busy worrying about the direction. So he's like, I'm just really going to phone these in. Yeah, and <laughs> this is this is a Robert Englund who's already fully 100% phoning it in. So when he decides to phone it in, mm -hmm. it is, is a rough going. It's a ghost of a person, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so the cast we have here... As Carl, um, we have Brett Colin, who's actually done a lot of stuff. Um, he was, well, a, a lot of stuff as people's dads, mainly. Uh, uh, okay. He was the dad in The Shallows. Um, oh. He, he was in True Detective and Narcos, and he played Thomas Wayne in Joker. So, like, he is, you know, doing shit. Okay, I definitely recognize him from Joker. Yeah. Um, and he was also on Falcon Crest, like most of the people in this show. And I finally looked it up. Um, this Freddy's Nightmares does share two producers and a casting director with Falcon Crest, so I really got to the bottom of it. Hmm. Um, there's 47 total overlaps of cast and crew between Falcon Crest and this show, which is fascinating. Wow, yeah, because those are incredibly different shows. Yeah, it it wouldn't it doesn't make sense. No, not at all. Like, not at all. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and then rounding out this actually mildly interesting cast, um, as Sue, we have Leslie Dean, um, and she played Tracy in Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, the kind of teen female lead there. Oh, wow. Okay, I have not actually seen that one. Um, It's interesting. It's better than most episodes of this show. Not a high bench there. Not a no. high... Look, I know people who will defend it to the gills, and I'm not quite there, but I think it's a pleasant enough movie. Okay. I mean, the good thing about the films is that there's almost always something that's interesting or different or at least worth talking about. And I've gathered from listening to episodes of this show that that isn't always the case with the episodes. So if you can latch on to something that's worth discussing, then at least you've got something... And Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare certainly has something. There we go. A certain je ne sais quoi that... Truly. No I do not know. can put their thumb on. Yeah. Um, but yes, anyway. So we join our friend Carl, a.k.a. Thomas Wayne and Joker. Um, and when he's on a plane en route to Springwood, the sprawling megalopolis that apparently now has an airport. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a dream where the stewardess sneaks into the bathroom with him and says, we're going to join the five mile high club, which is not what it's called. No, not at all. Right off the top. I'm like, nope, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And also I know it's a dream because two people would not fit in an airplane bathroom. If that thing is huge. That's probably bigger than some people's apartment bathrooms. I mean, on yes, yes, it is. Um, but yes, of course it's a dream. He wakes up, uh, I think he has another dream really quickly. He just, he hates flying, even though he's the heir to an air parts fortune. Yep. Um, he has more dreams like about like the starboard thrusters are not responding and all the instructions are in Japanese. Mm -hmm. And then he wakes up again. And so, uh, sorry, this is so trying to parse through what 
is dream and not and then trying to tell a linear plot out of it is so challenging <laughs> yeah i i took it that it's all dream until she's like hey you're holding up the line and then from there it's relatively straightforward uh until he starts taking pills and then at that point all bets are off yeah, there's about two minutes in reality in this episode. Yeah, um, and it's basically her throwing herself at him and him not giving two shits about her. Yeah, and uh, we find out later that apparently the stewardess, Sue, is his fiance. Or uh, not. She she immediately goes back against that. But yeah, that's in the, the next half. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. But basically, they're on the way to... Well, she thinks that they are en route to Springwood for, you know, three nights of bliss Mm -hmm. in this hotel resort. And I'm like, look, no one goes to Ohio for bliss. I'm sorry. No, their relationship is really ill-defined. It seems like he doesn't fly very often or he's a very nervous flyer, but she knows everything about him. She knows his drink. She knows everything about, like, what their weekend plans are and you're just like there's not that kind of relationship between the two of them like her her vision of what their relationship is is very different from his yes and what she doesn't know is that his dad just died (laughs) yeah like how do you not know about that it's literally in the paper he's reading yeah so it this relationship yeah truly is mind-boggling um (laughs) he's he's on the way to his dad's funeral um, his seatmate across the aisle is a guy who got fired by his dad's company and he now has mm-hmm. an alcohol problem. Although that, that specifically doesn't come into play, even though he does have a major role in the second half of this episode. Yeah. I mean, the reason that I asked last week or in the last episode, if there was a connective tissue is because this character in like specifically Jim Worth, he seems to be a completely different person from this first half to the second half. Like, there's almost no connection to it at all. Yeah, it, it, again, it's just, you know, one of the, the infinite mysteries of life is trying to understand how anything works in Freddy's Nightmares. <laughs> Indeed. Um, there is a, Freddy's not in his, uh, in his pad this time. He's out on the wing, gremlin style, trying to rip open the wing, and he's like, he'll be sorry he ever flew the deadly skies uninvited, which was a weird thing to tack on to the end of that but okay yeah like is there a way to fly the deadly skies when you are invited does that make them less deadly you just have to rsvp first right rsvp deadly Ooh, that sounds like an 83 slasher film to be honest oh yeah i would watch that for sure (laughs) i mean look that okay that's not saying much because i would watch a lot of a lot of slasher movies this is true i know your taste that's not saying anything at all yeah you're right um you got me there um, okay, so he puts in headphones that look like a doctor's stethoscope. They are huge. Yeah. I I mean, you're a youngin', so you maybe didn't do a ton of flying back in the old days. Uh, these actually look similar to what you would have gotten in terms of headsets on planes. Oh, God. The, the humanity. It, it was rough, and they usually made you pay for them. It'd be like, do you want these? They're going to cost you like 5 to $7. Well, look, airlines making you pay for absolutely nothing. That I understand. There you go. Yeah, you're familiar with that concept. Yeah, that that has not changed. <laughs> it's not a novelty. But yeah, so he's trying to calm down and listen to music, but it's not working. He sees smoke coming out of this little panel in front of him, and he calls out, stewardess, which again... Again, 
you know her name. You've called her Sue already. Yeah, and also she may or may not be your fiance. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, he, this guy he, deserves to die, frankly. Uh, and he and he will. <laughs> um, so he sees rats chewing on the wires. But then all of a sudden, terrorists put on ski masks and they shoot everyone in the cabin, which, yeah. look, we know this is a dream, but this is not how planes work. No. I mean, this is a the smallest plane that I've ever seen because there's only one seating area and then the cockpit. Like, this would be a charter flight. These tickets would be, like, hundreds and hundreds of dollars because there's no way you'd be able to operate without a loss. Yeah, and also they are, they're basically, again, prescient for 2020. They're at COVID capacity. There is like six passengers on this plane. Mm-hmm. And like half of them will be dead. Well, most of them are dead right now. And then we'll get ghost passengers in a couple minutes. Oh, yeah, that's fun. Um, so these terrorists are part of the consumer terror squad. Um, they mm-hmm. immediately take off their ski masks, which makes me wonder why they had them in the first place. And also, if you're going to kill everybody, why are you even bothering to hide your face? Yeah, it, it's really a mystery, because especially if they're going to make their way to the cockpit, they have already removed their masks. So what was ever the point of this? But mm-hmm. the point is that we needed a reveal of Terrorist Ralph's beautiful golden locks spilling out of his beanie. Yeah, I mean, it's another 80s mullet, so it's not my favorite look, but that hair is shiny. He has been washing with some Pantene or something. Oh, yeah. It, it just flips around. It's very Prince Charming. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a bomb, but then they disappear. There's a bunch of pink smoke and a bunch of dead people board the plane. Yeah. I, there's so many weird, fascinating details in here. Like, A, the the chant that they have, like a death to ash uh, airlines, is very similar to what comes about in David Cronenberg's existence when they're oh. shouting about like the end of like the gaming they they say like death to Allegra Geller and they're terrorists who like hide in plain sight so I was very taken with that I like that they take a moment to compliment his suit while also calling him a death merchant oh yeah they're kind of horny for him <laughs> yeah and then the bomb that they have kind of looks like what Steven from the last episode would have produced in his shop class it is fake as fuck looking <laughs> that sorry i that was so funny to me that i almost didn't laugh <laughs> because it short-circuited my brain <laughs> um but yes uh yeah so okay so ghost board the plane there's an yeah. old couple and a little girl with half of her face burned and then sue um prescient to brett cullen's future role she kind of moves like joaquin phoenix as the joker she does this weird spindly dance mm-hmm. and i liked it i liked a lot of this part Oh, yeah, and she turns her face and half of it's burnt, and then he sees his dead dad outside the window with, like, wind blowing on him, and he's screaming about, I don't remember, something weird. It's something about a hijack. Oh, yeah. It's like, it doesn't really come to anything. It's just a lot of really atmospheric visuals. Yeah, and the dad is giving major Doc Brown vibes, just, like, eccentric old man screaming. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Um one fun thing the 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 sign comes on that says like return to your seat or else um Mm -hmm. and there's a comma between seat and or else which is where it should be um but i think somebody pointed that out after they made the sign because the two words in the comma are all smashed together oh no do you think somebody had to go in there with like a sharpie i really do think so oh no um yeah so then they put on the in-flight movie which of course is the movie airport Mm -hmm. um (laughs) which honestly 
into it. Okay. Well, I was double checking to see if there is a movie called Airport because I know them all as like Airport 1979. Or, yeah. or, there is one from 1970. Okay. Um, but yeah, and then there's a commercial for Ash plane parts beforehand. Um, the and all the that couldn't care less. Yeah. <laughs> And all, all the testimonials are from the people who have died in plane crashes due to their shoddy parts, which is hilarious. Okay, so I have a question for you because okay. earlier on, one of the things that he notices is that like the seat, the emergency card is in Japanese. And then when uh, Jim Worth gets his can of Coke, the, the logo is in Japanese. Is this like a weird racist American thing where they're basically saying that the shoddy parts are coming from like a foreign country? Oh, I don't, I don't think so. I think, okay, well, what, look, I mean, look, probably it's the 80s. Um, <laughs> it could also just be dream logic where it's like the writing isn't in a language that you can read or process. That yeah, that's like my not racist take. Yeah, that's what I got out of it when he was looking at the instructions and he's like, I don't know. Um, and then I think the Japanese in the Coke can was supposed to underline that he's still in this nightmare world. Okay, um, okay, let's go with that. But look, I honestly it barely phased me because the the company that I work for is a Japanese company, so a lot of my uh, corporate materials are unreadable to me. So I was like, ah, this is normal. <laughs> You're like, oh, this is my day to day life. Yeah, it did not bother me. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah. So one of the testimonies of dead people is from the little girl. She talks about how Santa stole the engine to her plane, which I don't think is what really happened. <laughs> Oh, I mean, somebody lied to her about the true nature of Christmas. Really? <laughs> um, but yeah, Did you like then... that her aesthetic is very, like, Freddy Krueger child, though? Like, when she comes in on the tricycle chasing the ball, you're like, oh, wow, okay, she could be doing a little one-two Freddy's coming for you number. Yeah, and they don't, but they do sing Auld Lang Syne for, for some reason. <laughs> mm. Um. But first, he starts vomiting airplane parts, which is also pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, all the ghosts disembark, singing Auld Lang, Auld, Auld, Auld Lang Syne, which, as, as you do when you go sure. to the netherworld. Yeah. Um, but now his dad is flying the plane, then he starts confessing his sins, and then he wakes up. But Well, no, we go back to reality, and the dude is taking a bunch of pills, and he's dead in the seat. And Sue the stewardess has a very long... <laughs> extended moment of grief for him <laughs> i do love it though before she realizes that he's dead well she goes back and forth seemingly like she knows that he's dead but then she's like very disappointed like what did you do but i love that her initial line is we're in springwood you know what that means party <laughs> which it does it does it emphatically does not mean <laughs> yeah a sue you've clearly never been to springwood despite the fact that you're a stewardess who probably goes to springwood all the time but also, read the room. He's dead. <laughs> the, the most intense version of read the room I've ever heard. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's uh, just, look, I know Springwood has an airport and two record labels and a burger place, as I've learned through this show, but it's still not a party town. No. Yeah, I, I don't think, also, the death rate considering how many people die in each of these episodes, you would think that Springwood would be a little bit more of a Debbie Downer town. Yeah, it, it is It is more, it's a somber town where everyone has to dress in black because they're probably attending a funeral tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, then we get a, a weird, uh, where Freddy's back in his liminal space. He's wearing a helmet and he has a jetpack on. And yeah. he's like, 
Carl could use some spare parts. Maybe a heart or a brain. The only way to fly. And then he flies away on his jetpack. Yeah, there's something kind of iconic about Freddy in a jetpack. But again, the dialogue makes no sense. No, it, look, I, again, you're right. Well, honestly, I, I don't, I doubt England directed the segments with him because, again, like you said, I'm pretty sure this is all shot in like two days by someone. So he just grabbed whichever ones were pre recorded for this episode. Yeah. He was um, like, so what is my prop for this one? They're like, a uh, scarf for the first time and jetpack for the second. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They just raided some props warehouse somewhere and they're like, I don't know. Here's a vase. Do something. Yeah. <laughs> Make it work. Jesus. He's a professional, and he did, sort of. Sort of, um, yeah. So yeah, for the second half, we're focusing on Sue. Yes. Um, who is serving us Elizabeth Moss face and Romy from Romy and Michelle voice. <laughs> oh, yes. And also in wardrobe, because there's some business lady lunch going on with this stewardess outfit. Yeah, and, and do they have a businesswoman special at this bar? No, they don't. <laughs> Uh, hmm. This is a pretty sad looking bar. Like if this was the party that she was talking about in the first half, she really needs to look up the definition. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Springwood party town. It's got a bar that's only slightly bigger than the airplane cabin. She was just in. Mm-hmm. Um, she is incredibly drunk being sad about her dead. Maybe fiance, maybe stranger. Who knows? It could go either way. Yep. Um, but then she starts, um, she sticks her hands out like wings and she runs around the bar making airplane noises like, which I loved. It's the antics of a very distraught woman. Mm -hmm. Um, but then she meets, the guy's name is Jim, right? It is. Yeah. Jim Worth. Yeah. The, the, the alcoholic ex, uh, worker for the dad's company who, again, this does not come up. So not even important to mention. Um, The only connection is that he's stealing the little bottles that you get on an airplane or did. That was another thing that you may be have never experienced is that that was how they always gave you the booze. They would just give you the little bottle. I yeah, I've I've never I'm actually don't drink like at all. So that's never been something I experienced. But do they not do the little bottles anymore? Uh, They mostly just have like big bottles and they pour you a drink. No. Yeah, fair enough. But it was kind of cute. Like, the the little bottles, you can still get them in liquor stores, but they're very much like, oh, these are single-serving, like, doses of alcohol. So it would make no sense from, like, just a mass consumerism position. You're like, we have to open a new bottle for every single customer we're going to serve? This is dumb. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, no, you you raise a good point. Thank you for bringing your perspective of being a (laughs) grown-up. Oh, I thought you were going to say I'm being a drunk. No. <laughs> I'm both. I can be both, Brennan. You Why can not be. You contain multitudes. <laughs> um, anyway, so Jim takes her home because she is incredibly plastered. Um, yep. And he takes her to a different kind of cabin. It's not an airplane cabin. It's a cabin in the woods. I mean, I will give this series credit for both of these episodes that I've been on. I kind of like the playfulness of the title. Yeah, at least someone was paying attention somewhere and having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we're back in Freddy's liminal space. He's dressed up as a bar. He says, she's looking for love in all the wrong places. And then a fly kind of flies by and he watches it. And I, at first, I wasn't sure if this was just happening in real life, like a fly flew into the set. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he smashes the fly and he says, I can handle bar flies. And I was like, oh, okay, this did, this was meant to happen. Yeah, I mean... Earlier, before he says the line, it really could have gone either way, though. Oh, yeah. Just because 
I was just expecting it to cut with his eyes following this fly. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, is this meant to happen? Are we going to call cut? No? Okay, I'm just going to eat it. Well, yeah, because other, other versions of this scene, like, it will just show him wandering off for, like, 25 seconds. So I wouldn't put it past them. Aw, that's so endearing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so then we go, we're in the cabin. Sue and Jim are drinking cocoa by the fireplace, which... Uh, we're in the middle of a heat wave in California right now, so I was very jealous of their vibe. <laughs> yeah, the the timing, the aesthetics, it's all very confusing to me. Like, it took me an actual moment to realize that she was looking at a fully stuffed bear that ah! he has in this house. And then he also compares his fetish of stealing these little mini alcohol bottles to edible underwear. Yeah, which... I was not aware it was a fetish of any kind. Like, I know it's a, you know, I mean, it's not, I mean, look, I'm I'm not one to say whether or not something is a fetish, but it seems like just like a fun thing and not like specifically a paraphilia. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's literally listed as a novelty when you buy it. So I'm pretty sh- I mean, yeah, it's probably a fetish or a mild kink. You'll need to get Annie Rose Malamay on here to like really question. She She can probably give you a technical answer. Yeah, no, she. I was actually thinking, I was like, I'm going to tweet at her right now. I'm going to find out. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> just just in terms of the semantics of it. Because um, yeah. it, it just feels too bland. Mm-hmm. But we should absolutely clarify that stealing miniature airplane alcohol bottles is definitely not a fetish, unless he is masturbating over that shrine. Yeah, I mean, if it turns him on, maybe. I, I bet kleptomania is tied into fetishization somewhere but mm. a, a, yeah, a okay, clearer fetish is that sue finds a scrapbook full of pictures of women who are tied up which is not a good sign no that's definitely uh hey sue you in danger girl <laughs> yes and then uh three men with bags on their head show up um and then she wakes up so thank goodness phew we're safe oh i will say the I had questions about these masks because they're clearly bags, but then they also have like animal faces on them, but like that have been glued onto <laughs> the bag. Look, where does one get these? Are these homemade? Maybe from hunting? <laughs> <laughs> hunting is such an amalgamous word in this episode. It's like, I get it. We're hunting humans, but also. But it took me forever to realize that we were actually out in the country because I couldn't rationalize how we got from this happening bar to apparently the middle of the woods. Yeah, no, it, the the time-space continuum is in a strange place here. Um, but she does wake up. She's hungover. He has made her an enormous elaborate breakfast. Yes, um, I listened to the episode that you did with BJ where you talked about the stack of pancakes and how <laughs> fake it is. And all I could think of here was, did he order in room service? Because this is like a craft services spread. Oh my God, I'm so glad you listened to that episode because I was going to say, I hope that their pancakes made Springwood style, which is with two <laughs> cups of mayonnaise. <laughs> so disgusting. That is absolutely not a thing. I mean, I'm getting more and more curious about it. Like, the more I see them in this show, then I'm like, maybe for the final episode, I'll, I'll make some Springwood pancakes and see how they go. No, you're doing this for charity. If people want to see you do that, they should have to pledge a certain amount of money. Oh, yeah. That, that'll that be our, uh, like, if we have, like, a full pledge drive kind of telethon situation, mm-hmm. I, I could do a cooking show. Yes, yes. And you can dress up as Freddy. 
I, I have all the materials. So. I bet you do. <laughs> that is a fetish. There we go. All right. Mm, um, mayo and Freddy together at last. Mm-hmm. So she eats her mayo pancake. She's like, I'm stuffed. And he's like, we'll work that off later. And I'm like, she okay. literally took two bites. It's like, ladies, you can have an appetite. You don't have to pretend that you don't eat to get a man. Yeah, and also presumptuous. He's just like, yeah, we're going to fuck that right out of you. <laughs> um, and then he's like, why don't you take your coffee out on the porch? And she does, and she falls asleep, um, but not after holding her coffee cup at a definitely Hollywoody 45 degree angle in which all the water would or all the coffee would have spilled out if it actually had coffee in the cup. Oh yes. Yes, yes, yes. I will say this directorial choice by England where he pushes in on the coffee mug. Are we meant to assume that she's been drugged or is it just like, Ooh, we're now going into a dream space. I think it's just the dream space thing. That's what okay. I got out of it. But okay. I guess I, I, I'm very vanilla in how I'm reading this episode, I guess. Apparently, I'm just assuming the worst of all things. <laughs> it's racism. Should, it's date here. rape. <laughs> Look, in 89, we only got the worst of all things. This is true. And you have talked about how people just routinely die or experience terrible trauma on this show. Yeah. Um, including uh, Sue finds a bag of dead fish and um, the corpse of jim's ex-wife in like a big freezer mm-hmm. th- thing yeah that external freezer man if if you see them it means that people are either buying at costco or they have murdered their wives or both or maybe both <laughs> they sent their wives on a costco run and murdered them when they got back what do you mean you didn't get the second pack of toilet paper get in the freezer yeah um and then when she finds the corpse in the freezer there's a weird voiceover of him saying i see you found betty and i was like oh did, is he like in the room and he's not and then he comes into the room like a minute later and it's just yes. like did he actually say that i don't i don't understand it is some either very odd adr or yeah like it's it's a choice because i also noticed it like it is so obvious that you're like wait is she imagining it oh no he's there he's just like 30 seconds late yeah it it it's ex- like everything in this show extremely perplexing mm-hmm. um but so she you know she's found the corpse she escapes and runs away she hits she hitchhikes in a hunting truck but the guy calls her a $10 tramp and he continues to call her a trollop and a Jezebel oh, and truly yeah. language has really provided for us in ways to insult women's sexuality. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I won't lie. One of the things that I really liked about this episode, I didn't really like any of the stuff on the plane, but everything to do with Sue and her crazy sexist misogynistic journey. I was like, there's some weird kind of fascinating stuff going on in here like this it's obviously like a city versus country dichotomy that we're seeing in a lot of horror films like mm-hmm. i was getting a very texas chainsaw kind of deliverancey vibe off of this stuff but just the way that they treat her because she is what a woman who's an adult who maybe has some sexual agency means that she's a trollop a jezebel and that she doesn't look decent enough to have a home. Oh like, yeah, that's what, bleak. sir. <laughs> um, and she's just saying, uh, a man kidnapped me and is trying to murder me, and he's like, "You're probably a slut." Yeah, it it's kind of crazy. <laughs> I, it's very, very much so. Um, and he ends up taking her back to the cabin, or 
Jim takes her back. I don't know. She ends up back there somehow. Yeah, she runs through the woods because they're like, we're going to hunt you. And then oh, yeah. Jim rescues her. But then he's like, you're going to come with me or I'm going to break your leg and leave you here. God. Like, it is grim, dark stuff. Yeah, and then they they tie her up on the couch. And this is where the, the men are wearing the bags on the heads with the little animal faces again. Mm-hmm. And I noticed on the wall in this cabin with the couch... Um, there's a plaque that says coach on it. <laughs> yeah. It's like a weird holdover, like a visual holdover from the time on the plane, I guess. Uh, I don't I know. Mean, it, or it is could that... be to suggest, hey, don't worry, this is actually all a dream, right? Because she then sort of wakes up. I don't know. Well, I took it as um, a reference to the fact that the entire Springwood economy is run by coaches. Because there's <laughs> a new coach character in every episode, so they just... Like, maybe he has been a coach at one point because they have such a high demand for them. Oh, I love this. And, like, he was fired and he had to move out to the country and now he's subsisting by hunting women. Sure. Um, oh, she wakes up again and she ditches him. But first she leaves him, like, a goodbye letter. Um, a dear Jim letter. Yeah. A dear Jim letter. <laughs> in In a beautiful orange envelope that I don't know where she found it. I mean, I guess she found it in the dream when she was looking for her bag and then she found all those bodies, right? Sure. She was like, remember in the dream when I was looking through that drawer, they had beautiful envelopes. Yeah, I mean, in in Freddie's style, she got to pull it out of her dream. Right. (laughs) Yes. Um, So, yeah, so she she escapes again. Mm -hmm. um, And then the truck tries to run her over, but she kind of leaps out of the way. And then the episode just ends. (laughs) I took it to be that she tries to get out of the way, but it still hit her because she definitely goes down for the count. Okay, sure. This, In which case, this would be the second episode that ends with someone being run over by a truck just randomly. <laughs> right. Well, as you do in Springwood. What a, what a show. Um, <laughs> so Freddie has his head mounted on his, her, her head mounted on his wall. And he's like, everything is an endangered species these days, especially nice girls. And I'm like, all right. Robert like, Englund didn't even, even even when he's directing, he's not putting in effort. It's so no. frustrating. But again, like, so the message that we're meant to take from this is that she what deserved to die because she wanted to have sex, but also not even in this episode. Like, she basically agreed to go home with someone who was offering her a safe place because she needed to sleep off her grief. And that means that she should be killed and then mounted on a wall. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have questions about what the writers of this show want their viewers to take away. Like, this isn't quippy, and it's not it it it's not the kind of weird morality lesson that you would normally get on horror anthology shows. Like, it's just so confused. It's and so am I, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, okay, so yeah, final thoughts. Was this episode a dream, was it a nightmare, or did it put you to sleep? Okay, so I'm actually going to say that this episode was a dream because I just found so many interesting things happening in the Sioux end of this story, and then some of the visuals in the plane are fine. Yeah, and look, I agree with that, but I'm going to say put me to sleep. Okay. I I get extra frustrated by the episodes that are like, I'm going to wake up from a dream, do more shit. And that's a dream. And it's, there's no real break between it. And 
it's just all linear with constant mm. waking up and it, it's 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 a russian nesting doll of nonsense yeah i mean i only had to watch two episodes so i was like eh, this is happening a lot but it's fine i can imagine if you're watching this two episodes every week you would start to get very tired of that trope yeah uh i and i am <laughs> but you're doing it for charity and that's a good thing i know look i i suffer so other people can be fed that that's putting me on way too big of a pedestal wow um, but, this, but this I, is I, coming from somebody who scored a perfect score on their sats <laughs> yeah we we have that sat martyr complex <laughs> um but yes, speaking of donations, every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. Please help us keep going by donating to The Okra Project. You can donate through the link in the show notes, take a screenshot of your receipt, and send it to w2ptpod at gmail.com or DM it to me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at It's Raining Brands and Instagram at The Burning Clem. Joe, where can people find you out in the world, the internet? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BeStoleMyRemote, and that's the letter B. And if you want, I co-host a couple of different podcasts, so you can find Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, as well as Horror Queers, wherever you get your pods. Please do. And our artwork was created by Henry Hall. If you'd like to support trans artists, and you should, you can send them a commission at henryhall.design. Our theme song is Living in a Dream by Pseudo Echo. Rate and review us, please. Uh, next episode coming out on Tuesday, we're going to be just talking about an episode called Love Stinks. <laughs> After teenager Adam is coerced into having a one night stand, coerced, sure. Coerced into a one, okay. Mm. We'll see, we'll see. Yeah. Um, he finds that she's looking for a more permanent relationship. Meanwhile, his friend Max is forced to abandon his planned summer trip and take a job in a pizza place working under his creepy tyrannical uncle. So again, yeah, two things that have nothing to do with each other. Unless the person who was coercing the first guy into having sex is a woman made of pizza. Which would be the best episode of this show. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, that's going to be it for this. Thank you so much for joining us, Joe. And everybody, have a great weekend. <laughs> Dream of pizza, lady. Bye. Yeah, hot. That's my fetish. <laughs>